Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welsh, being joined by Brian Murphy. Uh, Brian, it is Thursday morning. We are on the eve of the regional final round of the high school football playoffs. And that means, man, we got a game of the week to talk about. Big thanks to everybody who went and voted at the website, starlocalmedia.com. We have four very, very deserving candidates. Our four games remaining in the fourth round of the playoffs. And um, I think we got what is at least on paper, at least in my opinion, I think the best of the four. For sure. Of the four matchups and this one will take place Friday 7:30 p.m. out at Wilkerson Sanders Stadium in Rockwall. It is the Region 2 final in Class 5A Division 1 between Frisco Lone Star, ranked number 1 in the state, versus Lancaster. A, uh, a matchup that uh, I think that if, I feel like this is a uh, this is a very deserving regional final. Like it does feel like you know you could pay, basically take the winner of Lone Star and Highland Park versus you know you kind of expect that Lancaster was probably the best team in the uh, in the bottom half of that bracket. It does feel like we are getting the two best teams in this region with a uh, with a chance to advance to the state semifinals. And man, this has got a chance to be an absolutely fascinating matchup. Brian, you're going to see Lancaster for the first time all season mm-hmm. on uh, on. Friday when you head out to Rockwall. So, um, I mean, you've been previewing this game all week. So, what is uh, what is the one thing about this matchup that uh, you were just most excited for? Is it's uh, just uh, just a couple days away? Well, first, what was the vote count on this on it this was, matchup? They, uh, I want to say they got last time I saw it was like five hundred, yeah, over five hundred mm-hmm. for sure. So yeah, the Lone Star community very much turned out in droves. We got some support from John Paul as well. You know, okay, was, I was glad to see this one kind of blew the other games Lone out the water. This Lone Stars to lose. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Lancaster defense, man. I know we talked about it off air, and we've talked about it a lot over the last few weeks. Yeah. You saw them play against the Colony. You know that that Lancaster defense is legit because they faced three of the top offenses in all of five A in these first three rounds of the playoffs when you're talking you know the colony McKinney North which was the best offense statistically uh, and then Frisco Independence which was arguably the second best offense out in the entire Frisco district out of all ten Frisco teams Uh, and they were awesome with Braylon Braxton and Kyan Wafer and they weren't able to do 
much at all. <laughs> uh, and similar similar result with the Colony and um, and McKinney North. So. It'll be interesting to see, you know, and there I know you have an interesting stat about number one receivers in the playoffs against yeah. uh, that Lancaster defense, against that Lancaster secondary. I haven't seen Lancaster in person. I don't know if it's, you know, a, a lockdown cornerback. I don't know if it's a collective effort. I don't know if it's the defensive line getting pressure. I know you can, you know, attest to, to that a little bit better. Um, but we're going to find out. There's a reason why, you know, J.J. Henry with McKinney North and, and Keith Miller uh, with the Colony, you know, they didn't really do much kind way for outside of a, a garbage time touchdown. Mm-hmm. Didn't do much at all. And I'll save the stats for you. I know you have the, the, the interesting stat I there. got ready to go. I, 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 I'll let you say it. And then, yeah. I mean, Marvin Mims has to break that trend. Yeah. But even if he doesn't, I think Lone Star will be okay. But I'll let you, I'll let you dish the dirt. It's just before I get to that, it is just fascinating how we got to this point because it feels like, in a sense, that like Lancaster is. I don't know if they've been overlooked, but this region was so loaded, and like there was so much buzz about Lone Star all season with what they did in September. You know why? Being in the same district as Highland Park, mm-hmm. the three-time defending state champions. Yeah. You know they lost to them, but it was in overtime. Yeah. You know that game. I wasn't at that game either, obviously. But you know, losing in overtime, um, Highland Park. You know, they just, you know, I, I believe that game was at Lancaster or was it Highland Park? I don't, I don't know. But either way, you know, they're, they're kind of overshadowed a bit. If they had beaten Highland Park in that game, you know, oh, yeah. everyone would be talking Lancaster. Lancaster would be ranked maybe probably two or three right there alongside Shadow Creek and Denton Ryan, somewhere in that mix. But I think the fact that they lost that game and the fact that they're in the same region as the number one team in the state, I think they're kind of getting overlooked. But I've said it so many times this this year and so many times on the podcast, man, Lancaster's the true test for Lone Star in the playoffs. There, it's styles make fights. You hear that cliche yeah. thrown out all the time, and I think it very much applies to this because Lancaster brings a lot to the table that Lone Star just hasn't seen, especially on defense. You know, because all the buzz was like, it was just Lancaster, not Lancaster, but Lone Star and Highland Park, Lone Star and Highland Park. Yeah. And then Lancaster's just kind of been operating in the shadows over there, just taking care of business, doing so with just this this bruising run game, this overwhelming defense. And arguably they've been more impressive than I Lone Star th- and Highland Park. I mean, listen, I with all due respect, I mean, we obviously sure. we cover the programs in the Dallas area, so I don't know, obviously, what the rest of the state yeah. has to offer, but I'm not sure how many defenses period right now that are still left in the playoffs are as hot right now as, as Lancaster's is, and we can talk a little bit now. You know, we mentioned the uh, the number on Monday's podcast, how you look at the season-long output for, uh, you know, the offenses with the Colony and McKinney North and Frisco Independence, that collectively they uh, they averaged 492 and a half yards per game and almost 46 points per game. And then in their matchups against Lancaster combined, they averaged 273.7 wow. yards in 20 points. I mean, McKinney North was shut out in the second half. Their only points came on a defensive touchdown yeah. late in the ball game. And they were scoring what, close to 60 points a game. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. No one had figured out a recipe on how to solve McKinney North except Frisco Wakeland. Yeah, <laughs> you just got outscored. I mean, but yeah, I mean, no, but it was. It wasn't even just that. Like Lancaster legit shut them down. Um, and yes, you mentioned the wide receivers, and that's been. I mean. It's about as impressive a statistic as you can find right now in the playoffs when you look at the production of the receivers, of the lead receiver in um, in these three playoff teams that have gone up against Lancaster. So Keith Miller for the Colony, J.J. Henry for McKinney North, and Kion Wafer for, uh, for Independence combined. Eight receptions for five yards. How? And a touchdown. These are, again, guys the touchdown who touchdown was a garbage time touchdown yes. by Kion Wafer. Yeah. 
So I mean, it's and you ask like kind of is it you know is it just is it just inc incredible coverage? Is it is it the pass rush? It's they're such a well-oiled machine. They um like first off like with Lancaster, you know what they're going to bring to the table just from a physical standpoint. They're incredibly athletic. They're incredibly fast. They have a a dynasty in track and field. I mean, they're going to have just incredibly fast athletes on almost every facet. And you see that if you look at the tape and just how they go about generating you know sacks and stuff and how uh, I mean it's just a combination of just speed and just physically overwhelming you know these uh, these opposing offensive linemen you know guys like uh, you know Travion Newton Courtney Massengill Wayman Smith I mean it's so what they uh, and that was the big thing that stuck out against the colony is like you you had Mikey Harrington back there just running for his life just because he has I mean you just don't have time to go through your progressions you don't mm -hmm. have a real clean pocket to work with it collapses so quickly you're flushed out and you're having to make these decisions on the fly that you're just not accustomed to and some of the throws that you make are just so uh, you know against like I mean you know Dylan uh, Dylan Markowitz from McKinney North was about as efficient a quarterback as a guy, as, as there was as you mm -hmm. could find in the area he had three interceptions and a lot of them were like I mean there was one where he was you know being brought to the ground on a sack and he just gets rid of it and throws it right to a defender who then you know takes it right down there inside the 20 I mean just throws that their speed and their aggression it for it makes you make mistakes that you just wouldn't normally make against any traditional pass rush and yeah I mean their defensive backs you know guys like you know Lorando Johnson Jr. Barry Green Andre Dibbles they are obviously excellent in coverage as well and they're right there for the uh, for the picking when you do make those mistakes I mean they've generated 11 takeaways already in the playoffs in just three games and um yeah if you take the ball away you're gonna win it's yeah. plain and simple if you win that turnover battle and so it sounds like it's just that you know that front seven is just wreaking havoc and making you know making you play kind of out of your element yeah and so i don't know i it'll be the ultimate test though because again you like you read off those numbers on how lancaster's uh defense has fared against the other team's leading wide receiver but they get the leading wide receiver in the class 5a the level best right now. 5a receiver and it's i mean yeah it's the ultimate test on whether or not like can lone star's offense be different from the rest and i mean yeah marvin mims is you know he's basically been the the 5a equivalent of jackson smith yeah. and jigba over at over at rockwell slightly smaller been, version slightly shorter version but yeah he, the production wise oh yeah he's been he's been good i mean mims 91 catches 2237 yards 29 touchdowns almost it's, 25 yards per catch it's almost the same stats as jackson <laughs> smith and jigba granted he he missed pretty much two games but yeah. still like your numbers are the same as yeah. a five star going to ohio state top receiver in 6a but marvin mims he got the the double team treatment he's been getting the double team treatment yeah. all season long and he was the main point of emphasis last week at at&t against highland park and that was a good I guess tests and good, you know, for preparation for this game because obviously Lancaster's going to really, really blanket him and make sure he doesn't, you know, go off for for 12 catches, 250 yards, and four touchdowns like he has against so many teams this year. But the good news is Lone Star, they've proven that they can win despite that, and they have guys that can also catch the football mm -hmm. that are pretty dang good in Trace Bruckler, 14 catches, over 100 yards. Uh, Brandon Spencer caught a touchdown. Tolo Sequoia caught a touchdown last week. You know, Jaden Nixon, uh, Jake Bogdan, they have guys that can make plays. I haven't even talked about Garrett Rangel. So it's, yeah. it's not just Marvin Mims. So even if you take Marvin Mims out of that equation, Lancaster hasn't faced a team in, yes, I know they've faced McKinney North in that offense, <laughs> but they have faced, they have not faced a team like Lone Star from top to bottom. And, you know, it's not, you look at Lone Star, the face of Lone Star, and you say, okay, Marvin Mims and Garrett Rangel, maybe Jalen Ford going to Utah, uh, stud linebacker there, and then maybe a couple other guys, but no. 
There's not a there's not a weak position on Lone Star. And you know, I, I know I'm hyping up the Rangers. Uh, I mean, you know, they're number one, they, the they're number one praise. for a reason. Yeah. And there's literally everyone I've talked to, and just I've, I've seen them play what six times now this year. There's literally no weakness on this team at all. Mm-hmm. And then when you took away the running game last week with Highland Park, and you took away Marvin Mims. Well, taken away is just 91 yards for two touchdowns. Yeah, you have other guys that step up, and that's been the key. And they have, they've, it's, it's been constant throughout the playoffs. It's who's going to step up on top of your guys, your main guys, and somewhat getting their numbers as well. I think it was big for them to go through what they did against Highland Park, where you did have a defense that was really going out of its way to key in on at Marvin a big stage. Yeah. yeah, because that can be the thing if you're yeah. uh, in a game that was as back and forth as that one was. When you still have, I mean, again, it gets lost in the shuffle. But Rangel's only a sophomore back yeah. here, a quarterback, and when you're in a situation situation like that against a team like Highland Park and all that that program stands for, especially at this juncture of the season, you know, it might be, uh, you might be a little bit more prone to like, okay, uh, you know, despite what the defense is showing me, I'm going to feed my best player and just feed Marvin Mims over and over and over. But, you know, you look at what, um, it, you know, kind of how he, uh, you know, he spread those targets and he, he took what the defense gave him. You know, mm-hmm. and that's you know, the fact that uh, you know uh, that Highland Park really went out of its way to sell out and, and try and slow uh, Marvin Mims. That just opened things up for Trace Bruckler. Mm-hmm. Rangel had no problem feeding him for uh, no. you know, his his most productive game of the season. Other than Mims catching that touchdown in double coverage in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. they don't really force feed him. You know, Mims will get his numbers early. You know, he scored the first touchdown mm-hmm. of the game four plays in, but it's not like they've traditionally you know in the fourth quarter been like all right, freak out mode, panic button. We yeah. just have to throw to Mims. It's really never been that way, even in in close games uh, like against the Colony and stuff it really and plus in their blowout wins it's Mims early and then that's it and so I, we've really never seen Lone Star have to really hit that, that panic button and, and have to go to their go-to guy this year and that's good that they haven't had to because again like with again we've read off the numbers as to what they will we'll see if they might have to yeah. but at the same time yeah. like it, it is good to at least have a game out of your system against a top tier yeah. opponent like Highland Park where yeah. you know that the rest of your receiving core is capable of stepping sure. up if the uh, opposing defense is really selling out on having to cover Mims. I would say where the difference is in this matchup is that perhaps you have like that touchdown that he had like in double coverage there in the second Maybe half. that doesn't happen. Yeah, you're probably not going to yeah. you're probably not creating a, a sequence like that against a, a defense that is as stingy as, uh, as Lancaster. Um, one other aspect of, uh, of what Lancaster's done and this kind of uh, plays into both uh, both sides of the ball is their execution in the second half has just been so overwhelming. Um They've, because uh, you saw like against like Independence, where this was like this was a back and forth game for the first half at least. It was what was it three three or whatever at the time? It was three to zero. Three to zero. Yeah. Okay, take it back. And then, I mean, but then they uh, they end up winning that game, going away thirty four to ten in the second half. And you look at what they've done in the second half of each of these three playoff games. They've outscored the Colony McKinney North and Independence seventy eight to twenty nine in the second half. And a lot of that is, it simply just boils down to a defense that's just, you know, for the lack of a better term, getting stops. I mean, they've only forced four punts in the second half, so it's not like they're just three and out, three and out, three and out. They, uh, that's really where um, their ability to force takeaways comes into play. You know, I mentioned they've, uh, you know, they've forced 11 turnovers in the postseason. Eight of them have come in the second half. And then even when teams aren't turning the ball over, be it through an interception or a fumble, their execution on uh, defending fourth down attempts has been, it's been perfect. Teams are uh, 0 for 9 in the fourth down in the second half mm-hmm. against Lancaster's defense when trying to go for it on fourth down. So, I mean, 
it's that's where I kind of want to see how, you know. But a lot of that is because they've been able to play these games on their terms. You know? They've had a lead in the yes, second half. They've had a lead yeah. in the second half almost the entire way. And yeah, when you're able to kind of like you really can't point to a moment there in the second half throughout the postseason when Lancaster hasn't been in control. What are they going to do when, if they're down by two scores? And that's the, the middle big question, of third quarter. Yeah, it's kind of uncharted waters for them in the playoffs, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as being able to uh, you know work their way out of a situation like that, and that's why you know it's, uh, you know you look at what they do on defense, but the offense then feeds right off of that. And we haven't really even talked much about what Lancaster does on offense. Yeah. I mean, statistically, they were every bit as explosive as those aforementioned offenses that we mentioned. You know, for as great as their defense has been, the offense is still number eight in the area in, uh, in total yardage at four hundred forty-one point one. Their rushing offense is number four in the area. It's because they have a pretty pretty good running back, yes. four yeah. star Trey yes, Bradford. Yeah, Trey Bradford, DQ James, both of them. I believe Bradford's averaging nine point nine yards per carry, and James is averaging ten point one. So. Yeah, that tells you that anytime they touch the ball, they average almost a first down. And so, fun fact: what we were just talking about, have they faced you know second half deficits? Yeah. Well, they were down. I'm just now looking this up. They were down 35 to 14 against Highland Park. Trey Bradford scored a 23-yard touchdown and then a 70-yard touchdown to tie it with two minutes left. So they went on a 21-0 run into the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter to force overtime against Highland Park. So they've been in that situation That's before. Resilience. Yeah, that's impressive resilience because yeah, it's not like when they get those stops on defense, the offense just feeds off of that, and you see that with not only do they score a ton but they're also just they got a lot of a lot of big play potency within that offense I mean again it's much like the defense there's a ton of speed be it in the backfield of Bradford and James the quarterback Glenn Rice Jr. is capable of breaking a big play on you I mean they've had uh, let's see I got the number here they've got five second half scores of at least 30 yards in the postseason already Um, and they just they do such a good job at getting their athletes in space you know and it's not just those guys in the backfield but it's Latrell Caples Magic Rector at wide receiver I mean they've uh they, they don't need much of a hole to get going. And, yeah, once they, uh, once they find an opening, man, it's, it's church. And they just haven't ran into a defense that's been capable of slowing them down. But that's where I think that, you know, for all the, uh, you know, for all the dominance that they've exerted on teams you know, through these first three rounds, that's the difference in this, in, in my opinion at least, in this matchup. And that's that the Lone Star defense is going to offer a bit more resistance than these other teams have been able to. Straight up, they have not faced a team like Lone Star. Yeah. Their offense is similar to McKinney North and the Colonies, if not better, in my opinion, and their defense is elite at the same time. And they, Lone Star sends three guys on the defensive line. That's all they need. It's they rush three guys. They, they're huge. They're humongous. I was at their practice yesterday, and I, w- I was really looking at the defense yesterday, and uh, you know, in, in good detail. And then walking back, you know, to to the offices afterwards, I had to talk to Rayburn and some of the other guys. I was walking next to the, some of the defensive linemen. I was like, man. Are these NFL players? Are these what? What is it? these? Are high school kids? And you know, Jaden Jones is you know he's about six seven. Wow. He's massive, and he's only a junior, number seventy seven. So if you're at the game, look out for number seventy seven. Uh, but yeah, no, when you're able to send just three guys and still get pressure, and when you have a linebacking core like Jalen Ford and Alessio Russelillo, yeah. man, and then you're 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 their secondary. You're their two safeties. One of them six four and Torn Pittman. You have Sherman Steptoe over about six, what six two making plays. You have Nick Bolton's younger brother Noah Bolton at the cornerback position. Just a, a family of athletes. Man, I, I'm telling you, man, they, they have not faced a defense like Lone Star. I know we've ranted and raved about Lancaster's defense and how good they've been, which you know for good reason. Yeah. But Lone, man, Lone Star giving up 19 points and 27 points to Highland Park. Yeah, that's the, the only other highest output was against College Station in a game that they were in control of. Where they gave up 30 points. Other than that, every single game has just been 
you know, in the single digits. Yeah. And they're only giving up 14 points per game this season. This Lone Star defense, they have not – Lancaster has not faced a team like Lone Star. I can't harp on that enough. So as we then get to uh, round out this portion of the podcast, with our predictions for the game, um, I get the sense that you were leaning Lone Star. So oh, Of course. Um, where do you um, where do you kind of get the sense that this one is going to be won and lost for the, uh, in favor Turnover of the Turnover battle. Yeah. Turnover battle. It, it, I mean, Rangel's Garrett Rangel has done nothing to question, you know, if he's ready for the, the big mm-hmm. stage. I, if anything, he's proven that he is ready. I just – if, if this thing gets chippy, if, the, if this thing gets you know, sloppy, uh, granted the weather should be okay. It's, it's going to be outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't going to be, you know, teams don't want to play Lone Star indoors. I'll, I'll tell you that right there. So there's a reason why this game is being outside, playing, being played outside and not at the Star also. Mm-hmm. You know, that's too close for to too close to Lone Star. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but, you know, with, with this being outdoors, you know, I – I know, I know there's not supposed to be any bad weather, but if, it, if for some reason it's December and it's windy and gusty and gets cold, whatever, um, there's some fumbles, some weird plays, you know, tip pass interceptions, you know, this thing, this, it could worry me. But, you know, if, if Lone Star doesn't turn the ball over more than once and they can, they can kind of rattle uh, Lancaster a little bit, kind of really show Trey Bradford, hey, you know, we can, we can shut you down, we can do things what other teams haven't been able to do, then I think Lone Star can win this game by two scores. But like I said, if it gets chippy, gets weird, a lot of turnovers, a lot of you know messy plays, uh, you know I could see this being you know come down to a, a field goal or a game-winning touchdown to win it. The um, the forecast currently, for at least within the Dallas area, on Friday evening is uh, mid fifties, partly cloudy, so it doesn't seem Perfect. like anything that would lead to what about the wind, any uh, sort of uh, nothing crazy, ten miles per hour, so Part, nothing, nothing too play heavy. ball. So, um, but yes, I'm I'm in concert with you, Brian. I do think the uh, you know the Lone Star defense is going to be it's a much different look from what they've seen with and again with all due respect to the Colony and McKinney North and Independence, mm-hmm. but those are units that have been a little bit more inconsistent when pressed with facing high uh, you know upper echelon offenses. Oh, yeah. And you just saw what Lone Star's defense was capable of doing in a rematch with Highland Park and just the job that they did holding them you know largely in check based on Highland Park's normal output. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's where it's going to be won and lost. And I um, yeah, I'm riding with the uh, the Rangers to uh, to keep this thing rolling, man. We were um, obviously though this was not unanimous though. There was some a little bit of resistance. When are they on the gonna learn? Line. This was um, a little bit of resistance on the picket line, though. This was a 3-2 ballot in favor of Lone Star, though. And the two people that picked Lancaster to win are Devin and Kendrick. And what do you know? They're at the bottom of the picket line standings. I so mean, <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing shots fired. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a very, very competitive picket line all, all season. But you have, um, you know, the two of us, Taylor Ragland. We're siding with Lone Star to get the job done. As you just mentioned, Devin Hassan, Kendrick Johnson, Picking Lancaster to score the upset. I got to throw some jabs because they're not picking picking my guys. That's all. That's all it is. So yes, um, but then man, this should be a great game. Though I'm fascinated to see how if Lone Star's defense can break the mold of teams that just have not been able to get anything going against Lancaster, mm-hmm. and uh, vice versa. How uh, how Lancaster's uh, that bruising run game is going to handle the stout, the most uh, stingy defense that they have seen up to this point in the season. So uh, yeah, that one is uh, Friday, 7:30 p.m. Wilkerson Sanders Stadium in Rockwall. Should be a fun. One and I know you were just out of Lancaster yesterday to uh, Lone Star. I was at Lone, Lone Star. Star. I'm sorry, how to get them? That's the, that's the I can't L. go to enemy territory. <laughs> and um, yeah, you had a chance to chat with their other star running back, Jake Bogdan, mm-hmm. on, uh, on Lone Star's uh, big run to the regional finals and uh, how they're feeling heading into Friday's big game against Lancaster. And we will see what Jake had to say after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. 
And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, I'm here with Jake Bogdan, running back uh, for Frisco Lone Star. Jake, man, y'all are coming off, you know, one of the biggest wins, really, in, in, for any team in Frisco in, in football history, man. You know, what was that scene like first? I got I to ask you, at AT&T, you know, game-winning touchdown in overtime against Highland Park, beating them for the second time this year. What was that scene like? Uh, it couldn't have gone any better for us. I mean, we've worked so hard all year, and it's not even just for that game. We just work so hard each week for the same same goal to come out and be the best every week. And I feel like we did that that week, and it was really exciting to have us uh, come out with a huge win. How tough was it to beat a team like that twice? I know a lot of people were saying, you know, you can't beat Highland Park twice. You can blah, blah, blah. You can't beat them at home, which is what y'all did earlier in the year. But y'all did that, and y'all beat them twice. Man, how tough was it to do that, a team that's won state uh, three years in a row now? Oh, they're a great team, and they never quit. As you saw, the game was crazy. But we worked so hard, and we knew that if we just kept believing, no matter how much adversity there was, we could come out with the win. Yeah. Now, Jaden Nixon, you know, one, he hasn't really received a whole bunch of shine this year. He's kind of been your, your backup, so to speak. You've gotten most of the work out of the backfield. You know, he scores the game-winning touchdown. He wasn't even on this team last year. He wasn't even at the school uh, last year. You know, how happy uh, were you for him and in and, and, and general for, you know, scoring that game-winning touchdown for you? Know, he's one of the hardest workers we have on this team, and he deserves it so much because – where he started, he's gotten so much better as we've gone, and everybody's going to know who he is next year. I couldn't be more happy for him. Now, this offensive line, you know, blocking for you guys, I, you know, Jaden had a humongous hole on that play, pretty much went untouched. You know, talk a bit about that that offensive line and, and how important they've been, you know, kind of the unsung heroes uh, of this team. Yeah, like you said earlier, you know, all year it's about the running backs, but nobody really knows how easy it is to do our job when there's – holes where you can pick and choose wherever you want to go. It's just really a blessing to have such great O-line. Now tell us a little bit about some of the individual guys on that offensive line and what makes them so unique and, and, and powerful up front. Well, every single one of them, Braden, I'll name them all, Braden Grove, Kyle Lofi, Mason Horton, Nathan Deason, and Colton Tibbetts, they're all so physical, and they always fight each play. No matter what, even if they do get beat a little bit, they're going to keep straining and making sure that they get their win, one-on-one -on -one matchup. How cool is it to see, you know, with the running game struggling, you know, a lot of that game against Highland Park and and Marvin Mims being double teamed. You know, how cool is it to see other guys, uh, Trace Bruckler and, and uh, Sequoia, Tolo Sequoia. I don't want to butch butcher uh, his name there, but you know, how cool is it to see, you know, those guys have monster games? You no, know, it's so awesome because they prepare the same way we do every week, just as hard. And when they finally get their time to shine, they step up, and it was just perfect. Now, what has this week been like, you know, heading to the fourth round for the first time in two years? Uh, you know, the, the team with MJ Rivers, they got this far, but they lost in this round. Uh, what do y'all, you know, what's this week been like? How are y'all preparing for Lancaster? What are y'all kind of seeing uh, from the Tigers? Lancaster's a great team. They're really athletic. So we have to make sure that we're very sound and very smart with all of the stuff we're doing. And that we make sure we do it perfectly. That way we can execute all plays. Now, you've been compared a lot this year. Uh, you've been called a Swiss Army Knife. For one, that's what uh, Coach Rayburn has told me, and you've been compared to Christian McCaffrey. You know, that's high praise. You know, he's he's been an MVP candidate for a lot of this year, running back for the Carolina Panthers. He's been awesome, man. What is what what is that? You know, what do you think about about all that being compared to you know one of the best running backs in the NFL? You know, it just it makes me want to get better every day because I just want to do at the end of the day what I can do to help the team. And if going out the block or running a route or running the ball is what I have to do, then I'm going to do it the best I can. Now, we all know about, you know, the, the really special talent and players on this team, but what has made this team so special in this this uh, successful playoff run? It's got to be the love that we all have for each other. I mean, we were all so positive at practice. I mean, I, I don't ever dread it like that because I love going out to work with my boys. So, well, thanks, Jake. Thank you. Big thanks to Jake Bogdan for taking the time to chat with Brian for our student athlete spotlight as we uh, round out our preview for Frisco Lone Star and Lancaster. 
in the uh, in the regional final round of the high school football playoffs. We had three other games that were up for consideration for game of the week, and let's quick hit those. Give some picks on how we're feeling about those matchups. It's going to be a busy day in Waco for me on Friday, Brian. Um, while you're in a while you're prepping to go to Rockwall later that night, I will uh, I will have a, a double header, not a double header of sorts, but I guess two games that I guess coincidentally enough just happen to be being played in Waco. John Paul II versus Parish Episcopal in the TAPS Division I State Championship. Just like everyone thought at the beginning <laughs> of the season. This game is noon Friday at Midway Panther Stadium in, uh, in Hewitt. Um, you know, we talked about it Monday on the podcast and just this this dream run that John Paul's gotten on a program that hadn't had won a playoff game in its history prior to this season, and now they are on the doorstep of a state championship. However, it's going to mean conquering the uh, the last team to defeat them, and boy, did uh, did did Parish ever defeat them? This was a forty-seven to seven outcome back when they uh, when they played during district play. Um, Obviously, though, things have changed a bit for John Paul since. Obviously, they have not lost a game since then. So we're not going to get the same result? 40-point blowout? I don't think so, but at the same time, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get a different winner because that's the, you know, Parrish has just been, they've had that look all season of a team that is like, okay, this is this is Parrish's year. I mean, they made that massive statement at the start of the season when they beat Trinity Christian Cedar Hill mm-hmm. on ESPN at that, and um, it was just a real showcase for Preston Stone and, and that dynamic group, and they've just, I mean, they've looked the part ever since, and I mean, they've just had their way with everybody in district play, and I mean, they're just, they're rolling so well right now, but since that setback to Parrish, I mean, John Paul has, I mean, they've looked the part too. And it's not like they've just kind of squeaked their way into the, uh, you know, into the state championship game by beating up on a bunch of, you know, lesser thans or whatnot. They trashed Fort Worth Nolan, mm-hmm. who in some, like, in some outlets was ranked higher than Parrish. And, I mean, you look at what that uh, that defense has done ever since, you know, the setback against, uh, against Parrish. I mean, they're only allowing 14.3 points. Per game in the uh, you know ever since then, and I mean you saw that against uh, against Antonian in the state semifinals when they had just that monstrous fourth quarter with six sacks or whatnot in the uh, in the second half. I mean that uh, that pass rush of Dylan Harris and uh, and Kyle Taylor. I mean they've just got so many weapons to throw at you, but. Is it enough to uh, overtake what has been the best pound-for-pound player at the private school ranks this season in uh, in Preston Stone? I think it's going to be a better game this season, but at the same time, I just I don't know if I can go against Parrish. As much as much fun as it's yeah. been covering this run by John Paul, I gotta go with my uh, my brain in this one, and I uh, you know I can't uh, you know you don't you know. I can't be, uh, you know, picking it with my with my heart at this juncture of the picket line, Brian. These are very high stakes between you and I right now. As far as who's going to win this thing, so uh, I have to. Um, yeah, I got to end up siding with Parrish. I think that John Paul gives a better game, but I just don't know if I can come down from a team that has a you know a forty point victory under its belt. But you know, by that same accord, though, you just saw this last year with Argyle and Salina. You know, Argyle Any- trashes Salina in the regular season. What was it, sixty three to fourteen? Mm-hmm. And then Salina three weeks beats, later you know, is Salina almost beats him in the playoffs. Yeah. So again, things can change, and you know, perhaps having that game on tape and being able to go back and okay, this is where we struggled and addressing those weaknesses and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I. Uh, I mean, we've talked about Salina time. Is it John Paul time? 
This, it, John does Paul, it, does it's, it feel that way? it's their time in the sense that that program is, like, this isn't just some fly-by-night, lightning-in-the-ball run that they're on. This is still a really young team. You know, you look just across that uh, across that offense with Grayson James, the quarterback. I just saw you looking up Jaron Bradley's profile on 247. I didn't know they had a four-star receiver. Yeah, yeah, Did he's actually, we were just talking about them. I believe he transferred from Lone Star. So I gotta go. That I gotta go. Um, but yeah, and then they're uh, you know the running back, you know Grant Robinson. The Conspiracy guy theory: He transfers back to Lone Star next year. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, listen, John Paul's got a lot of youth on that team, and they're uh, you know they're they're not going anywhere. They're going to be probably right back in a pretty familiar position next season as well. But. Um, whether it's enough to get the job done on Friday against Preston Stone and his crew, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think they give a much better record, but Stone and, his, uh, and that offense are just too much in the end. So I pick Parrish. Uh, you pick Parrish. The picket line was 4-1 to one in favor of Parrish Episcopal. Taylor Raglan, the, uh, the dissenting vote is he's, hey, it worked out for him last week when he picked uh, Amarillo Tascosa to take down Marcus, and he's, hey, he's won a few of those this season, so. This is way more lopsided. This is, I, if I'm looking on the picket line, this in my opinion, this might be the the most confident pick I have picking Parrish. No offense to no offense to the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, hey, the Cardinals are hot right now. I would not shock me if they reversed the whip on them, but I just again, I, I can't bring myself to pick it. Um, but yes, four to one in favor of Parrish to beat John Paul for the Taps Division One State Championship. And then later that night, I will be going from uh, Panther Stadium at Waco Midway over to Baylor and McLean Stadium to take in Argyle versus Waco La Vega. Wait, what time is John Paul and Parrish Episcopal? Noon. Noon, and then what yeah. time is that game at night? Seven o'clock. So you got a busy day, man. Yeah, making a day of it in Waco. But no Friday game. That's no, this is oh, Friday. So, but okay, no yeah, Saturday. Okay. I thought yeah, you yeah. said Saturday. No, yeah, no Saturday game. Yeah. Thankfully, I am I'm free from any work <laughs> on Saturday. Um, but yes, Argyle and Waco La Vega. It's been a matchup that uh, you looked at the bracket at the start of the playoffs, and you could have kind of penciled this in as the likely regional oh, yeah. final here uh, between the uh, the Eagles and uh, and La Vega. Um, a rematch of last year. La Vega got the better of Argyle last season. Um, they did play earlier on though in week two of the regular season. Argyle got the better of that meeting. Um, I want to say it was what forty nine to thirty five. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, now the the pieces in the in this in this rematch are a little bit different though because if you look at how Argyle you know kind of paved their path to victory there, um, forty three carries for two hundred and seven yards and three touchdowns for Tito Bryce. He ain't there no more. Yeah, he is he is injured right now. So um, yes, it has been a, a bit of a different look for the uh, for the Argyle offense. Now they're still not afraid to force feed their running backs. His backups, Luke Ferris and Knox Scoggins, they combined for 41 carries last week against uh, against Brownwood. Well, it helps when you have a massive offensive line like yes. Argyle does. And I know Coach Bill Elliott with Salina. He just the one. I mean, they have so many you know talented players at Argyle, but he just would not, he would just talk and talk and talk about that offensive line. And for good reason, man, they paved the way. They are. Huge, and when you have those guys, you know, protecting your you know, your star quarterback Bo Hogboom, and you know, a makeshift of running backs, you know, they're still going to have success regardless of who's running the ball. What was the stat that Elliott gave you at the time that he only been sacked like one time? Yeah, getting into that yeah into that game against Solana. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, curious to see if things uh, how much things change this time around. Um, you know, you look at that first meeting between. 
Argyle and La Vega, and you know Argyle jumped on him big early on, and then La Vega was able to kind of claw back, and they made this a bit of a, a little bit interesting there late in the, uh, you know, in the uh, in the second half and whatnot. But I think for a team like La Vega, that you know you look at what they did the prior round against Melissa, where they uh, they only passed the ball six times, and they still come away with a 45 to 42 victory. And that's because they had so much success on the ground with um, you know Elisha Cummings and Jarquay Walton. You know those two uh, were part of a rushing offense that combined for 53 carries or 473 yards versus just six passes. So if you're a team that wants to run the ball like La Vega does, you know, when you're down, you know, three, four scores early on like mm-hmm. they were against uh, against Argyle, that takes you a little bit further and further away from what you want to do. So I think another uh, another strong start is going to be uh, very much uh, mandatory for the Eagles on uh, on Friday. And I think they get it done despite not having Tito at the, uh, to, to helm that running attack again. Um, you know, if they were a little bit more up and down with their performance against Brownwood, then I might have raised a little bit of a red flag because they were a little bit more inconsistent against uh, against Stephenville, but they did seem like they uh, they kind of righted the ship. I mean, LaVeya had a heck of a test against Melissa. Melissa was they a hairline away from beating them, and in some cases, I mean, probably should have. I mean, they were up by seven with, you know, with you know four and a half minutes left and whatnot. So, um, but yes, I uh, I, mean, I think it'll be a fun one, but I like uh, I like Argyle to uh, to get its playoff revenge this time around. Me too, and I will. Vega. I know I said this before, I wasn't super impressed with La Vega. Yeah, they're, I'm, I'm referring to when they played Salina. Yeah, they were a much better team than Salina, but I wasn't, you know, I, was, I didn't think that was the state champion mm-hmm. watching them play. You know, I, 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 you think Argyle is a better team, and you mentioned Melissa almost got the best of them, and I, I, I just don't see a way Argyle loses this game unless it just gets real sloppy or whatnot. Because, like I said, La Vega against Salina, outside of, you know, three big runs, they the game was really pretty even. Right. Second half, I think LaVega only scored once. And Salina really, I think, outscored them in the second half. I believe it was 14 to 13 or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, LaVega didn't look like the state champion to me. They don't they don't throw the ball a whole lot. It's just a bunch of different mm-hmm. sweeps and running plays and pitches and stuff. So if Argyle can figure that out, should be should be another double-digit victory for the for the Eagles. There's also the dynamic of this game being played in Waco. Uh, is, see, that's another thing, yeah. But at the same time, that first meeting back in September, though, that game was also in Waco. and September football is different from December football. This is but true. it's Argyle, so they're, they're, they've been in this position many, many times. Argyle did. It's more so in the sense like Argyle handled playing in enemy territory yeah, just yeah. fine the first time around. So, um Yes, I like Argyle. You like Argyle? Mm-hmm. We all like Argyle. It was a clean sweep for the Eagles on the picket line to get the win over La Vega. And then the last game that we have on our uh, on our docket, game that you're going to be at on Friday, yes. 6 o'clock, right? 6 o'clock six at the star. At the star. Prosper versus Rockwall. Who would have thought, man? Like, how impressive is that? That Prosper, granted, they, they avoided the long view. They avoided that, you know, brutal second-round matchup. They, they put themselves in position to they, avoid that. Though. They did, and they've taken care of business against who they've needed to take care of business against. They very well could have easily lost to Mesquite. I know, didn't Devin and someone else pick Mesquite? Okay. I don't remember. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, straight, clean, sweep, 5-0 for Prosper. You know, they've had some tests. They've faced the Woodlands, you know, a team that's, you know, made some deep runs in the playoffs over this past decade, and they've taken care of business. They've beaten teams teams up pretty good and they've looked really impressive they shut out Wiley in the first round Jackson Berry seems like he's really clicking right now but I think this is the end of the road because Rockwall is really 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 good they beat Allen they have the best that's kind of all they they, they beat beat Allen Allen. (laughs) they beat Allen in the second round of the playoff like 
When, when did you say the last time, Alan? 2011 against, I believe it was Euless Trinity that was the last team to do that. Discussion over Rockwell beat Allen. That, I think that there's nice. at least a path to where Prosper can make this one competitive because, yeah, believe it or not, Allen and Rockwell was our game of the week, you know, a couple weeks ago, and I had to do an exhaustive preview for that shoot. one. Um, you know, Rockwall, for all the, the, the praise that we heap on that offense with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Braden Locke and Zach Henry, and listen, they're going to get theirs. Absolutely they are. Um, you know, we've seen with Prosper, they have to stem that initial tide. You know, you look at the games against Jesuit and Allen, they got down big early in those ones, and they cannot afford to do that because Rockwall's not going to take its foot off the gas. No. Um, but by that same accord, if they can stem that tide, like Rockwall's defense can be had, and particularly on the ground. You know, they'll give up a big, a big rushing performance on you. And um, and I think between JT Lane, Tyler Bailey, even Jackson Berry, you know, there's at least a pathway to where if they can, you know, control the clock a bit and perhaps limit the uh, the number of. Uh, of uh, snaps for that Rockwell offense, that perhaps they, they could be a live, a live underdog in this one. But um, at the end of the day, though, I just, I'm perhaps just a bit, you know, you, again, those the Allen game, the Jesuit game, those are a little bit too relevant in the mind right mm-hmm. now. When faced with a, an upper echelon offense like Rockwell, which is the best offense that they've seen, I just don't know if they're going to be able to get enough stops. Yeah, and we, we saw what happened against you know Raylan Sharp, dynamic quarterback. We saw what happened against EJ Smith and that r- explosive rushing attack with Jesuit, who was also still in the playoffs. Yes. But they haven't faced a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba. No. Not, not many no, teams have. Has, no, no yeah, because he's as good as they come. And uh, are they going to be able to, to keep him under 150 yards? Like, it happened last week against, uh, was it Klein Oak or Klein yeah. Collin? One of the Klein teams. But he had you know, six catches, 91 yards, still scored. It, that's containing him, keeping him at like 100 yards. Yeah. If he goes off... Good luck, Prosper. And it's not even just an offense. He's a weapon in special teams, too. He's just, he's Ugh. he's about as close to unguardable as it gets as a receiver because it just, you can defend it perfectly. Yeah. And then he'll just, he'll make a one-handed, one-handed catch or just something silly yeah. like that. And you just, you can't get a, if you're that, if you're that defense, you just can't get down on yourself because there's going to be moments when he just makes plays. You just have to shrug your shoulders and like, oh, well, on to the next one. Like, that's yeah. just him being amazing. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I just, I, I don't see it working out for Prosper in the end. And, um, and yes, the picket line was uh, was unanimous in this mm-hmm. one. Everybody thinking that Rockwall will continue this this uh, this impressive run of theirs into the state semifinals. Let's we all a, foresee them. Let's get a little Rockwall-Duncanville in the, in the state semis. That would be that fun. Would be, that would be pretty impressive. Um, so, yes, that is a look at um, at least our coverage slate. And, yeah, those games are going to be split up between you and me over these next uh, couple days. I will have, uh, like I said, my busy day in Waco. I'm going to be covering John Paul at noon and Argyle at 7. You've got our game of the week, Lone Star and Lancaster at uh, at 7.30. And then on Saturday, you've got what we just talked about, mm. Prosper and Rockwall. So, um, yeah, should be a fun one. Fourth round of the playoffs is here. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what happens this weekend. Should be a fun, fun slate of games. And uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. You can follow us along on a. On our, uh, on our website, StarLocalMedia.com. We'll be tweeting out updates during our mm-hmm. games. You can follow him at, at Brian Murphy underscore. I'm at M. Welch SLM. And, um, and yeah, folks, that'll, uh, that'll wrap it up. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. 
Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.